Welcome to the Andrew Young School Podcast, where each month we interview a member of the Andrew Young School community who embodies the school's charge to think ahead and innovate in the fields of criminal justice, economics, public management and policy, social work, and urban studies. In this episode, we'll speak with recent AYS graduate Ana Maria Villegas. Originally from Colombia, Ana Maria became the first member of her family to graduate from college when she received her BS in economics in 2020. During her time at GSU, she served in multiple part-time positions and internships across multiple industries in order to better understand her own professional ambitions. She also participated in the Women Lead program and other campus activities. As we recorded our interview, Anna was just a week away from starting her first full-time position post-college as a government and public service analyst at Deloitte. So I'm here with Anna. Anna, thanks for sitting down with us. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you for having me. So I want to start with the question that I ask everybody, which is, how did you end up at the Andrew Young School? What was your path to us? Yeah, so um, a little bit of background on me. Um, I was born in Colombia, South America, and my family and I moved to the United States when I was three. Um, and we moved to Gwinnett County, which is a little bit outside of Atlanta. Um, and I was raised there. So um, when I went to when I was in high school, I basically knew that Georgia State was in Atlanta, and I had this scholarship called Zell Miller because of my GPA. So. I kind of put two and two together and decided to go to Georgia State, and also it was close to home, so I was able to um, live at home but also go uh, to school. Um, to be honest with you, in, in terms of how I got to the Andrew Young School, I had no idea what I wanted out of life in high school. Um, I didn't really have any professionals in my immediate family to uh, look up to or, or see like what they were doing in their lives and see if maybe that's pr- something I wanted to do. So it was, it was kind of hard for me. And I didn't have any passions growing up. Like, for example, if you wanted to be a doctor and you knew it since you were a child, I didn't have any of that. So I did what most people did. And I just said, I'm going to study business. So I went to Georgia State as an undeclared business major. And then I was required to take a microeconomics class my first semester in college. When I started that class, to be honest, I wasn't really that excited because I had taken um, microeconomics, AP microeconomics in high school. And I remember thinking while taking that class, like, this is terrible. Why would anyone ever want to study economics? But for some reason, when I went to this class, um, and it was with Professor Lorenzo Almada, he explained microeconomics and economics in a way that I understood and that it seemed very um, relatable in all terms of life, like all parts of life. It wasn't just charts and numbers like everyone really thinks economics is. Like it's, it's really just the thought process behind the decisions that you make, right? You have a limited amount of resources and you want to make a decision or you want a desired outcome. And so what do you have to do to use these resources to get this outcome or, you know, stuff like that. So whenever he was teaching um, and he was describing economics in, in, in this type of way, I was automatically hooked. I started looking up on Georgia State's uh, website, economics majors, what it is, what can you do with it. Um, I started Googling, I started, you know, studying on my own. And so from there, I decided to change my major to international 
economics and modern languages because since I am bilingual, I, I wanted to keep on studying my Spanish so I didn't lose touch of my culture. However, um, as I started taking some more economics courses, again, like I just was fascinated by, by the study of economics. So then I decided to completely transition over to um, economics major. And that's how I ended up at the Andrew Young School. So there's a lot to unpack there, but I want to begin at the beginning and work our way forward. You talked about moving to the U.S. when you were three. How did being a first-generation American influence your education and how you approach even the idea of education? Yeah, absolutely. So me moving to the United States uh, from Colombia and having having foreign parents really impact me as an individual, not just my education. Um, but if I can go back as far as I can remember on how being a first gen impacted my education, I think that I can trace back to when I was in fifth grade. I was around like 10, 11 years old. And this is kind of when I had my first realization of like, this is, I'm not like the rest of my peers. You know, my, my life at home is a little bit different. Um, and, and what I mean by that is that, so I was raised by a single father and I have an older sister. So growing up, it was my older sister, me and my dad. And just to give you kind of like a background and, and to show you what I mean by where I'm going with this is that I'm going to paint a picture or tell a story of what my dad's schedule looked like back in the day when I was in fifth grade. So my dad would wake up extremely early, um, five or six a.m. and he would start cooking lunch. When after he started cooking lunch or in, in, in that process, he would start cooking breakfast for my sister and I. Then he would take my older sister to high school, which started earlier. He would come back home. He would take me to elementary school, which started a little bit later. And then he would go to work. Then during his lunch break, he would go pick up my sister from high school, bring her back home, go back to work. And then I would get out of school and my friend's mom would take me to their house. After my, my dad was done with his job, he would come pick me up from my friend's house, come home, make dinner, serve his dinner, do everything that needed to be done around the house, and repeat. So when I was you know, 10 years old and I was watching my dad do all this, I remember thinking and asking him, like, dad, are you not tired? Like, what's going on? How do you do all this? And, and he, he would just, you know, my dad is a man of very little words. So he wouldn't really say much other than the fact not to worry and to just focus on going to school and, and, and doing school. And he would always tell me that um, the reason why he came to the United States is to give my sister and I the education that he never had. He made it to the fifth grade in Colombia, immediately started working for his family, um, lived in, in poverty in Colombia. And now he, you know, he came to the United States for us. And he would tell me that the key to making it out of this type of life and having a better life is education. That's all he would tell me. He didn't know how to get into education. He didn't know anything. He just knew that education was the key. Um, and of course, being a 10 year old and, you know, looking up to my dad and he was like, my, he is my superhero. I, I trusted him. I really did. I, I really trusted him. And, and I would always think, you know, I'm going to go to school. I'm going to do my best. I'm going to get good grades so that he doesn't have to worry about that part of his life. He has tons of things to worry about, but my education is not going to be one of them. And I think when I made that realization, and seeing my dad and how he lived his life and 
I think I developed a mindset that the best way that I can describe it is whatever it takes mindset. And I made the decision that I was going to get my education very early on when I was a little girl. And I never spent any time asking myself if I could do it. I never, ever, ever asked myself or thought like, is education for me? Can I do it? You know, will I have the money for it? I never asked myself any of those. I just decided that it was going to be for me and I did whatever it took to get there. Um, Of course, that was a lot of studying. Whenever I studied a lot in high school and I got good grades, I was able to get the Zell Miller scholarship. So money wasn't an issue. Um, I commuted and, and you know how commuting is like in Atlanta. I mean, it was it was tough. I would have to wake up early and I wouldn't come home until around 8, 9 p.m. sometimes um, because I would like to cram all of my classes on Tuesdays and Thursdays or Mondays and Wednesdays so I didn't have to go back and forth um, to school that often. And, and not only did I go to school, I also worked throughout college and you know, I'm, I love sports and I love being physically active. So I also did that. And a lot of the, a lot of times my like other students or other my friends would ask me, like, how do you do it? How do you do school, work, commute, stay in shape, do like have fun? And I mean, to me, that's just my norm. That's what I grew up seeing my dad do. To me, it's normal. I just do whatever it takes to accomplish my goals. Um, so I think that was like the first, like one of the biggest ways that being a first generation American influenced my education. It's just kind of that drive, that passion, that determination that I was going to get my education. I was going to get my degree. I would be first in my family no matter what it took. And I think that that's the main one. But another one that I think that perhaps was more of a downfall rather than a positive thing of being a first generation was I, there was just some conversations or some topics that were not spoken at home. Not because my dad, you know, was a poor father, but just because he just didn't know. Like we, we didn't know as first generation Americans how society in America works. We, we, a lot of things we just didn't know. I'll, I'll, give, I'll give a little story here to, to illustrate what I mean by this. Um, in high school, I remember someone started the stocks, the stocks club, the stock market club. And I remember being like, I have no idea what that is. Like, I have no idea what stocks are. What, what is stock? Like, what's the stock market? I had no idea. And, and it's funny now because I still had no idea up until two weeks before my interview with JP Morgan for investment banking, which is, is, is funny. And I'm not sure if, if I should say that in here, but I really had no idea how stocks worked. I didn't know what the stock market was. I never had those conversations at home. So right before, two weeks before my interview, I reached out to some professors. I reached out to my mentors. I YouTube videos, everything that I had to do to learn what the stock market was. And and it's funny because I remember in high school, a student started a club on it. Like how how do you start a club on it in high school? And to me, it's just it's it's crazy to know that there was just some things that I did not know. And another example of how that impacted me in my education is that when I got into college and when I decided to study economics, um, but I remember going into some of my economics courses feeling like I was completely lost, where some other students seemed like they knew everything about economics. 
Um, so I, I kind of developed something that a lot of people struggle with, and it's called the imposter syndrome. Um, and I just didn't believe that I deserved to be where I was, that I was below everyone else and I couldn't do it. And I was just there. And then eventually sometime someone was going to figure out that, you know, I wasn't meant to be there. And that kind of caused a lot of anxiety in the classroom. Like I, I didn't like to speak. Any questions that I had, I would just write them down and, and, and Google them myself later on or try to figure out the answer later on. But I was very embarrassed to speak in class because I had the fear that I was going to sound stupid um, because a lot of my colleagues or a lot of my, the students that were in my class sounded like they, they knew about all these concepts where I had no idea. Like I had no idea what they were. And, and of course, you know, that was just kind of fueled me to study and, and read books and, and do my assignments. And I was able to get it done. But I do think that I felt very alone a lot of times because I was a student in college in the United States and my family in home, at home didn't go to school. They weren't American. They don't know what it's like to be in college. Um, so I, I really couldn't express what I was going through to my family. And I felt embarrassed to express what I was going through to my friends because it seemed like they weren't, they didn't have the same issues. So that leads me to my third point of how this experience or being a first generation American experience or influenced my education. And that is asking for help. I learned this a little bit later on in my education, um, more towards the end of my high school, but very much so into college, that it's okay to ask for help. There's people out there who their job is to help you. Like they want to help you. Educators are there to teach you. That's what their passion is. That's what their career is. That's what they've studied to do. That's what they, that's what they're here to do. Um, and once you find people who are um, willing to help you and, and they care about you, I think it's very important to be grateful for them and and treat them right and follow up and say thank you. I think that being a first generation American opened my eyes to all of the resources and all the people who, who really care about us and, and care about students and want to see us succeed. So overall, it, it was a little bit of a difficult journey um, being a first genera generation American. Um, however, I wouldn't have had it any other way. I think that it shaped me to be the woman that I am today. And I'm very, I'm very proud of, of what came from it, uh, what I've learned from it. And, um, and, and now that I've made it through my education, and, and hopefully this isn't the end of it. I definitely want to continue my education. I'm getting my master's at some point. But now that I've first in my family to graduate college, I have a college degree. And that degree is something that no one can take away from me that I earned and, and it's going to be mine for the end of time. You know, all I can do is look back and be very, very grateful for the way things worked out. So I want to circle back to what you were talking about there with reaching out for help and particularly in getting over that imposter syndrome and those things that hold us back. Who were you reaching out to at that point? So you're at the Andrew Young School, you're in this brand new degree program that you think you're interested in, but you get into these courses and suddenly you feel like you you don't know exactly what everybody is talking about. What did you do? Who did you re reach out to? Um, many times, 
I didn't. Um, like I said, I learned to ask for help and be okay with asking for help maybe a little bit later on in my career. But for example, Miss Perry, Colleen Perry, I had a class with her and the class was for career planning. So it was perfect because if I did have any questions, I mean, that's what we were learning. We were learning how to prepare for our career. That was a great resource. Uh, it was, I'm very happy that that class was a class that I had to take for my major um, because it, it taught me a lot. And like I said, she was there to help us. That's her job. So th that was great. I had a lot of resources there with resumes, with interviews, with job searching in general. One thing that I think that first generation students struggle with is not knowing what's out there. That class really helped to 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 research what is out there for you to do. Like what what career path is for you? What do you like? What don't you like? Um, so definitely, Miss uh, Perry's class. That was that was a really good resource for me. I had one class and this is probably the most impactful class that I had at the Andrew Young School. Um, and it was econometrics with Professor Chernis. And I remember everyone in my classes would tell me that econometrics is the hardest class in the economics curriculum. Um, so of course, and it was required. So of course, naturally, I was very nervous for the class when I signed up for it. But I remember right before I started that class, I told myself I would go into the class every single day and for the hour and 15 minutes or for however long the class was, I would tune in to the class and I would pay attention. I would leave my phone in my book bag and I would just pay attention for that one hour. One hour a day, full attention, that's what I was gonna do. And that's what I did and I went and I sat in the front of the class and I paid attention. And when the first test came around, our, our professor warned us that it was the hardest test. The first test was the hardest test. You know, I, I studied for it and I took the test. And I ended up being the only one in my class who got 100 on it. So, of course, when I saw that I got 100 on the test, I was extremely proud of myself. And, and I learned that if I put my mind to something and I really believe that I can do it and I put the time and effort into learning something, it's, it's achievable. And that professor, Professor Chernis, he, uh, I remember he, he asked me to stay after class, after he handed out the test. And like I said, I was really shy in a lot of my classes. So I didn't really have too many interactions with the professors at the beginning of my college experience. And so whenever he asked me to stay after class, he said, you got 100 on the first test. And I was like, yeah, I, I see. And he was just like, that's really good. I haven't had, you know, many students who, who got 100 on the test. And then he was immediately invested in me and my future. He was extremely real. And he asked me, like, right then and there, he asked me, like, what do you want to do? Like, what, what's your purpose? Why are you here? And I think that was the first time anyone has ever asked me that so straight up. And, I, and, and it got me thinking and, and he, he just by him showing interest and recognizing my achievements, that gave me a lot of confidence that I was destined to do something great and that I was that I was supposed to be studying economics and that I was supposed to be in those classrooms and 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 the little bit of imposter syndrome, it kind of faded away a little bit. He definitely was a professor that inspired me, that he showed me that he cared, not just as, you know, 
I'm coming here, I'm teaching these students, I'm going home. Like he really cared about his students. And not only with me, I mean, he, I remember in his class, he made it a point to remember absolutely everyone's name in the class. And he would ask them about themselves. And he would remember what we would tell him about ourselves and he would bring it up in class. And, and by him showing that leadership as the professor, it all of a sudden made all the students closer to one another. So that class, even though it was the hardest class that I've taken, econometrics, I mean, the name of that class sounds scary. Like, it was it was a great class to be in. Uh, the professor, he cared. He was funny. He was very intelligent. Everyone in the classroom was helping each other out. We were talking. We knew each other's names. Um, so I think that that experience is probably one of the most memorable um, overall. Another class that I want to highlight was my Hispanic culture class with Professor Torres. Um, and I think that this class, it was interesting um, because I always wondered what my life would be if I had stayed in Colombia. Like, what, what, I, what would school be like? What would my education be like? Would I even have an education? But with Professor Torres and this Hispanic culture class, it was one, all in Spanish. So um, I was forced out of my comfort zone and... I took a class in Spanish, and even though I speak Spanish, I've only spoken Spanish at home. Um, so now having to learn in Spanish and, and communicate in an education sp uh, setting in Spanish was a little difficult, but it was challenging, and um, it made me feel closer to my roots. And Professor Torres, um, <laughs> he he was a very strict professor like anything I could imagine of a Colombian professor being like oh yeah he was Colombian as well so that was that was a nice little um connection that we had he would walk into the classroom and the classroom would go silent and then he would go buenas tardes like in a very deep voice and all the students would kind of be like waiting for him very quiet or if we weren't quiet he would stand there until we were quiet um so I think the whole experience in that class was very much what I thought my education would be like if I were in Colombia so that was good um and also the amount of students like talented students that I saw in my class it was amazing I mean there was students of all backgrounds, all colors, everything in that class, speaking Spanish, learning about Hispanic culture. I thought to me that kind of shows what type of culture we have at Georgia State, where it's extremely diverse. Um, and, and to me, it was awesome. It was all these students from different backgrounds learning about, you know, my culture and, and where I come from. I was learning about my culture and where I come from for the first time. I never had any any classes about Hispanic culture or history. And, and another thing that I really liked about this class, it was, it was my first time that I could talk to my parents about what I was learning in school. I was able to show them my textbook, let them read my essays talk about what I learned in class. Um, and to me, that was extremely special because even though like, I've always done education with my dad in mind, like, I always did it for him. Now being able to show him exactly what I've been doing all these years um, through the language that he knows and he's comfortable with, that, that to me was really awesome. And I'm, I'm really glad that I was able to um, go to a university that provides that, those types of experiences for their students. That's such an awesome story. I love that. So while you were in school, you also, among all of the other things you were doing, you took on a bunch of internships. Can you give our listeners an idea of just 
how many internships you had and what they all were? Can you even remember? Yes, absolutely. So I'll start off with um, this wasn't an internship. It was a part-time job at a law firm, but it was my first experience um, in a professional setting. And it was with the Bader Scott injury lawyers. I was 19 and I worked Monday, Wednesdays and Fridays. And I went to school Tuesdays and Thursdays. In that role, I honestly did a lot. I started off as reception, um, which was awesome because I got to utilize both my English and my Spanish because a lot of our clients or the clients at the law firm were Hispanic speaking or uh, Spanish speaking clients. So um, I did get to practice my Spanish, which was awesome. But I transitioned into working in the workers comp department, in the personal injury department, in the intake department. I worked in basically the only thing I didn't do at the law firm was be an attorney. And to me, being 19, not knowing like what this meant and, and what, you know, how much potential I had. Um, in hindsight, I, you know, it's a really cool experience. So I, I got to work there. I got to experience what working in the law field looks like a little bit. Um, I, I kind of, this is where I started to pick up on some of my skills as a professional, which is flexibility, um, being able to learn and do many things, um, no matter what situation or who you're working with or anything like that. I think that's a really one of my most valued skills. Um, so after I worked there, I ended up getting a internship with MetLife, uh, the insurance company in Tampa, Florida. Um, and I was able to get this internship through a program called Inroads. Um, and Inroads is a program that helps minority students get really good, valuable internships. And the reason why it was in Tampa is because my mom lives there and I didn't have that much time to spend with her growing up. So I thought it was a great opportunity to move down there for the summer, stay with my mom, and of course, um, intern with MetLife, which was which was awesome. And it was an awesome experience because of course, I was in a whole nother city. I It was my first real internship in another city. So it was just overall a lot of new stuff. I learned what it's like to go to work every single day. It was a, you know, for two months, full time. I learned so much there. And, and I think that it was it was such a good experience. It was fun. And I was I was really happy now that we're in a pandemic. I'm very grateful for the opportunity to have a real internship, the whole experience and, and even in another city. And to be honest, I still keep in, in touch with all of the or not all of them, but a lot of the uh, mentors that I made there, a lot of my coworkers that I met during that life. Um, and I think that it was, it was a great experience that I was able to bring back and continue growing on. Um, now, like after, after I did the internships, I was able to take those experiences and, and bring it back to school and then talk about them at the next interviews and stuff like that. So after MetLife, I went on to Handshake, which is a um, website that Georgia State pushes a lot on the students. Um, and it's great. I've, I've gotten two of my internships through Handshake. So that's definitely uh, a resource that I would suggest current students to utilize. And with Handshake, I got an internship with a small tech startup company called Locator X based here in Atlanta. Um, and they actually were virtual. And this was before the pandemic. So I did get a little bit of experience to with working virtually, uh, even before the pandemic. So I was very grateful that I had 
that experience so that whenever we were all forced to go virtual, it wasn't entirely new for new to me. And with Locator X, it was, you know, a tech company. I have obviously no experience in tech at this point but same thing I did with all my other experiences I just went in there with an open mind ready to learn I asked them what needs to be done what are the goals and and then I did what it takes took to get there and you know it was a lot of asking questions it was a lot of trial and error um, but I, I did it. It was a great experience. Again, I learned a lot and, and I was able to carry all my experiences on to my next interview. Um, and then that leads me to my final internship um, while I was in college. And this was my internship with JP Morgan. Obviously, awesome experience. Um, I never imagined that I would interning or working with one of the largest banks in the world. Um, that was something I'm very proud of. And I got this internship through SEO, which is another program um, organization that helps minority students get internships and get the resources they need in order to succeed in their career. And not only did I get to intern for JP Morgan, but I was the first virtual internship class at JP Morgan, um, which I look at with a lot of pride and gratefulness because how cool is it that not only was the internship experience new to me, but it was also new to JP Morgan. They've never done a virtual internship before. So it was a lot of working together with the leadership team and, and with my managers um, in order to make the experience beneficial for both ends. And I learned a lot in that internship, um, not only about investment banking and credit risk, but I learned how very intelligent individuals act under pressure and, and during hard times. And I think that that was an awesome experience. And, and after I did that, I felt like, you know, if I could do this internship virtually and do it successfully, you know, I, I'm ready to take on whatever comes my way. Um, so that was a really cool experience. Um, so yeah, those were the four jobs that I had during my college experience. Um, three and a half years, lots of experience, lots of knowledge, um, lots of things that I learned and all very great experiences, which I would suggest to all students to at least try to get a couple internships in so that they can learn more about what they're studying or the field that they choose to internship in. And so you are going to school full time. You have any one of four different jobs. You're staying active. You're doing all of this. And then on top of all that, you're also active in an organization called Women Lead. Can you tell us a little bit about what Women Lead does and what it's done for you? Absolutely. So Women Lead is a signature program at Georgia State. And I took it because I saw a lot of my other friends taking it and it seemed like it was a class like a class that was different than the rest it was a very hands-on class with lots of experiences rather rather than just studying from a textbook or you know learning from the professor and then taking tests and stuff like that so I just decided to take it um, out of curiosity and really what the biggest takeaways that I got from this program which were really good ones really important ones um, one is that the very first uh, assignment that we did had to do with finding our values and our strengths. And to be honest, even though it seems like an easy assignment, it was so, so, so important for me as 
an aspiring professional. I was able to really think about what I brought to the table and more importantly, what was important for me. You know, what were my values? What do I stand for? Um, I think this is the first time that I really thought about how do I want people to see me at work? How do I want people to remember me when they think about me? That was really important because now, and we had a lot of speakers at that um and, and women lead who would come and talk to us about their experience and lear- learning about their experience and then tying it back to the values and, and strengths assignment that we had, um, I kind of learned or I have a game plan that, you know, once I start my career, which is coming up soon, if I'm ever faced with adversity or I have an issue, um, I'm going to refer back to these values and my strengths. And I'm going to use what's important to be what's important to me to make sure that I make the right decision, um, that I handle situations to the best of my ability. Um, Yeah, and, and, and stuff like that. Like when you really know who you are, it makes things a little bit easier um, for you, in my opinion. So that's one really great thing that came out of Women Lead. And the second one, a very important way that Women Lead impacted me was my confidence. Um, Like I mentioned before, when I started off college, I was very shy and I didn't like to speak up because I didn't think I was smart enough or worthy enough or whatever it may be. But once I got into Women Lead, I gained this confidence that I didn't think I was allowed to have. And, you know, there's been a lot of times where I've gotten a comment along the lines of, oh, you only got that job or you only were selected because you're a woman and you're Latina. And I think that when when I took Women Lead, those comments no longer hurt me. Like those comments no longer impacted me. Like when when anyone has something to say along those lines, I'm able to say, okay, well, please refer to my GPA. Please refer to my resume. Please refer to my experiences. Please refer to my character. Please refer to all the references I have from professors, from mentors, from managers to really ask yourself if that's the reason why I got the job. You know, whenever you are faced with people who have that type of negativity, it's best to just brush it off of you and just keep on going with your goal. Keep focusing on what you want out of your life and and keep going towards that goal. And I think Women Lead did that for me. It really gave me the confidence to let those comments not affect me. And I don't think I don't think they ever will. You know, now now I have this newfound confidence in myself, newfound insights of who I am as a person that I hold very dear to me. And I think that whenever I'm faced with adversity in the future, which I know will happen, I can use these very important tips and and lessons learned from Women Lead to prosper and to get through all of these problems that I will encounter. That's so awesome. And as you alluded to, you're getting ready to embark on your next chapter of that. You graduated a few months back. And as we are recording right now, you start your first full-time job in the field next week. Uh, Tell us a little bit about what you're going to be doing and what you're doing to prepare for that transition. Yeah, absolutely. Um, So I will start on Monday next week um, with Deloitte 
in their government and public service department as a analyst. I'm part of a rotational program. The whole point of the program is to show you different teams, a different part of the government and public service department um, to see what you like, to see where you fit in, um, what you see yourself doing. Um, and and, and I'm, I think that's a really great place to be in right now. I still don't have all the answers, um, even though I graduated and I, I, start, I start my career. I, I don't know what I want to do in, in the long run. Um, I'm extremely happy to have this opportunity to experience different things and, and find out what it is that I'm good at or what I like or what I enjoy. And I'm very grateful that Deloitte was able to give me this opportunity like in a position where I'm at an advantage. And, and, and it also shows that they care about us, you know, not just as an employee, but they want us to fit in to where we want to be. So the way that I've been preparing for it, honestly, is relaxing, um, clearing my mind um, so that when I go into my career, I have a clear mind. Um, I physically feel well and healthy and I'm able to act as a sponge, soak in all the information that they give me and work hard. I, I plan on whatever job I get, I plan on doing it well and whatever it takes to get there, you know, asking questions, working extra time, whatever it may be. I'm going to do it and I'm going to do it well. So a lot of my preparing is just, it's mental. It's a lot of, of preparing my mind for this new challenge. This is what I've been working for. This is, you know, I, I got my degree. This is my career. This is when I start, you know, my life. Um, so, so I'm excited and, and I can't wait to see what, what goes down and how I end up, you know, working in such an amazing company as Deloitte. Well, we're very excited for you, and we can't wait to see what you do. Anna, thanks so much for talking to me today. Thank you, Taylor. I appreciate it. The Andrew Young School Podcast is produced by me, Taylor Olmsted, with production assistance on this episode from Jennifer Giratano, Colleen Perry, and Ashley Watts. Our executive producer is Ivani Raval. We are a production of Georgia State University's Andrew Young School of Policy Studies, located in downtown Atlanta, Georgia. To learn more about the Andrew Young School, visit us online at aysps.gsu.edu or follow us on social media at aysps.gsu. If you enjoyed this episode, please remember to leave a review for us in your podcast app of choice. And we'll be back next month interviewing another policy thought leader from the Andrew Young School of Policy Studies at Georgia State University. 